Welcome Abundant Life family to our Her Story Women's Conference in podcast form. We can't get over how special that weekend was and how awesome our speakers were. Now let's dive into this powerful session from the wonderful Pastor Jenya Jackson. I have the honor to introduce uh, one of the most anointed people that I know. She has grown up in this church. She leads our worship team. She's our worship pastor. She is an anointed singer, an anointed songwriter, and she is going to share the first session, Pastor Jenya, everyone. She's not gonna cry, she's not gonna cry. I don't know guys, this 43 year old time that I'm having right now, I don't know what's going on. Is this what happens? You get 40 something and then you just start tearing up for no reason. Come on man, I don't like it. Stop it already. <sighs> Do you know how much I love the presence of the Lord? There's nothing better. There's no one greater. Something happens when we're in the presence of the Lord. Something shifts when we're in the presence of the Lord. So glad that we're in a house <laughs> that welcomes the presence of the Lord, that yearns for the presence of the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, you take what the enemy meant for evil. Oh my gosh. Is that not our whole life? Think about that. Think about all the wrong. Think about all the stuff. Think about all the circumstances. Think about all the situations. Shift it. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. Think about that. All the stuff. You could run it down the list. Bum, bum, bum. This happened, that happened, this happened, that happened. But then you take one more step and you say, you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turned it for my good. That's important. You can't just stay in the stuff. You got to take one more step and turn it and say, you, you took that and you turned it for my good. Somebody say that. Say, for my good. Say it again. Say, for my good. I'm going to tell you to say it one more time because you're going to need to shout it. You ready? Are you ready? For my good, shout it. Hallelujah. I'm just taking a moment to look at you. Hallelujah for the good things that he's done and the good things that he's doing right now. Amen? Shout amen if you're with me. Holy moly. I'm so glad to be here to share with y'all today. Um, you know, the, the story that I'm gonna sh share with you today is something that for years I hadn't shared it. For years. I think it's probably one of the most important events that happened in my life of the turnaround, of the shift of what God had done in my life. But I think because I've been here at this church for so long, I've been in here at this church for, since I was four. So that's 39 years. Yes. 
39 years right here in this house learning and growing. So I just figure, hey, man, everybody knows my story. I don't need to share it that much. You know what I mean? Like, everybody kind of knows. They see the scars. They know what's up. But, um, and I was even tossed up about, like, sharing it today. But I had a moment with Pastor Kathy and Minister Annette, and they were like, are you nuts? They didn't say it like that because they're very nice. <laughs> but how I took it, like, on the inside was, are you crazy? People don't know your story, and they need to hear your story. That was the part that kind of, like, tugged at me. So then I started considering it a little bit more, you know, more and more. Okay, maybe, maybe I should. And then I took a moment to speak to my favorite person in the whole wide world, which is my husband. He's my fave. I took a nice moment to just talk to him, and he said something that kind of, it jolted me a little bit, and it, it, and it stirred me up. He said, every time you tell your story, hear me now, this is what he says, every time you tell your story, it hits differently with the same power. <laughs> oh, he's right there. I thought you were upstairs. <laughs> I was so grateful when he said that because that kind of freed me up. And hopefully it frees you too. Um, even at the beginning of, of us chatting, there's a story inside of you that you might think, oh, it's, you know, I've told it a lot. Or it's just a little story. Ooh, don't have me swing on you. Nothing's little. <laughs> Nothing's little when it comes to what God has done. So say that story over and over and over again because it's going to hit different. But it's going to have that same power. Amen? Um, I, the, the devil's slick because he tries to, to minimize the miracle. There's huge things that's happening in your life. You might see them as small, but to that next person that you have to tell, it's massive. All right? That's how important your story is. So let's start. If you have your Bible, if not, it's going to go up on the screen. But John 4, and we're going to read verse, it's kind of long, so just bear with me. I'm going to try to do it fast. Um, Y'all know there's no timer up there, right? If there's no timer, I'm, listen. <laughs> okay. We're going to start in verse 4. He had to go through Samaria on the way he was going to Galilee. Okay, so on the way he had to go through Samaria. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village called Sikar, near a field that Jacob gave to his son Jacob. I'm sorry, uh, that his, Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired from a long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because the disciples had gone into the village to buy food. The woman, surprised, for Jews refused to do, have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? You see the attitude? That's how I took it. Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, sir, you don't have a rope. You don't have a bucket, she said. This well is very deep. Where would you get this living water from? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor J Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon be thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I will give will never be thirsty again. 
It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, look at her. Please, sir, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to this well no more. I don't want to come here no more. It's hot. He says, go get your husband. Oh, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you've had about five of them. And you're not even married to the one you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, oh, uh, you, you must be a prophet. Yeah. Uh, tell me, why, why is it that the Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place for worship while we Samaritans claim it's here on Mount Gerizim? Well, where, where, where our ancestors worship? It's, it's got to be here. Jesus. So good. Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed, is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way, for God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. The one who is called the Christ, when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then the disciples came. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. And none of them had the nerve to ask, what are you doing with her? Why are you talking with her? The woman so excited. She left her water jar beside the well, ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Let's drop down to verse um, 39. Many Samaritans from that village believed in Jesus because the woman said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in the village. He stayed for two more days, long enough for many more people to hear the message and believe this right here is everything. Are you ready? Then they said to the woman, now we believe not just because of what you've told us, but because we've heard him for ourselves. And now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world because of her story. So my story I was in a horrible car accident many years ago, horrible. Some of y'all in this room might remember. Um, I, was in a kid, uh, I was a kid and I was on my way home from a sleepover, cousin's house, and we're going home, just a regular ride home. Till I look outside of my window and I see, man, that somebody looks like they're really close to our car. And before I could take like my next breath, we were hit and we were hit hard. The wheels were no longer on the ground anymore. We flipped over. And the reason I knew we flipped over is because I could hear my own screams. Like I didn't know that I was screaming, but I was screaming. And I looked down and the asphalt was like this close to my face, maybe like two, three inches from my face. And it was moving. Finally, when it stopped, I couldn't move. But that's because I was, my arm was in between the side of the van and the road. And what happened? I was stuck. I was stuck. Could not move, could not do anything because I was stuck. Literally couldn't get myself out of this situation. I wonder if this Samaritan woman felt kind of the same way. Verse four through six, she was going through it. Her whole life just stuck at her lowest at her darkest. She was stuck in pain. 
She was stuck in isolation, stuck in judgment, stuck in sadness, stuck in a relationship or several relationships she shouldn't have been in, just stuck. The darkest place she could possibly, possibly be. I had a 2,000-pound you know, vehicle on my arm, the heaviest thing that a, a, a kid could have on him probably, right? But I bet that this weight of life on this woman felt heavier than even that because she couldn't break free. There was nothing she could do. Have you ever felt that stuck before? Maybe stuck in bitterness. Maybe stuck in anger. Stuck in a place that you just couldn't break free. Stuck in a relationship. You don't know what to do. It's just raggedy. You don't know what to do. But can I give you a word? You were never designed to be stuck. God did not create you to be stuck in a situation, stuck in garbage, stuck in, in disarray, stuck in a, in, in, a, in a bad place. You weren't created for that. So as I was in this van, stuck, pinned, I heard a voice tell us to hang on. Help was on the way. And they had some kind of a strategy of how they were going to get all of us out now. It's my cousin next to me, baby cousin. I want to say she was about two or so. I think so. Uh, her mama, who was driving. And so they said they're going to get her out first, baby out first, then my cousin who was driving, and last of all me, the one who's in the most pain, the one who's the most critical. They're going to get me last? What? Y'all don't hear me over here? You don't see what's going on over here? But I kept on hearing a voice say, breathe, stay calm. Help is coming. Breathe, stay calm. Help is coming. So all I could do was wait. But what I did while I waited was very important. I could have kept on screaming. Ah, get me out of here. I could have kept on screaming, right? Or I could have tried to yank. Let me try to pull it myself. But what would that have caused? More destruction. More chaos. Irreparable damage. That's what would have happened. So I had no choice. I had to wait. I wonder if this Samaritan woman felt like she was in a season of wait. Terrible wait. Anxious wait. This woman had to wait for everything. She was waiting for a good man. God bless her. She couldn't find one. She was on the sixth. <laughs> Poor thing. She was waiting for a good man. She was waiting even to get water. Check it out. Did you catch what time of day she was going to get water? Have y'all ever been outside at noon? It, it make you mad how hot it is outside. Just angry. You walk outside and just look angry right away. So she was waiting to go get water. Why was she waiting to get water? The only thing I could think of is nobody wanted to be around her. Or she was afraid to be around people because of the judgment. Because of how they made her feel. I got to be honest with you. I, I can, like, applaud her discipline because them other girls would have had to come see me. Huh? I'm going to get this water in the morning. 
You can move, I'm not waiting. You know what I'm saying? Pull up on me, huh? Sorry. It's the culture. <laughs> she's, she's good, because she waited for the heat of the day just so she can do it by herself. But that was her way of dealing with it because it was too much. It was too heavy. It's too much going on. I don't want to see their faces. I don't want to hear their little remarks. You feel me? That's what was going on probably inside of her. So she just said, you know what? I'm going to just wait. You know what else she was waiting for? Salvation. She's waiting for a savior. Somebody come help me. I can't do this. This is crazy. This life is nuts, and all I got to do is wait? I'm tired, man. Anybody tired? It seems like everybody's getting their blessing. Everybody's getting the promotion. Everybody's getting the scholarship. Everybody's getting the, but you over here waiting. But I told you before, what you do while you wait is extremely important. Will you worship while you wait? Will you pray while you wait? Will you read while you wait? Oh my gosh, will you encourage someone while you wait? Will you pray for someone else while you wait? Will you give someone else a word while you wait? What you do while you wait is extremely important. Because that's, that's the setup. That'll set you, set you up for what you're waiting on. Yeah? It, it seemed like it took like an eternity for this van situation to like switch. And it, maybe it didn't, but it felt like it. It felt like I was never going to get out of there. And I wonder if she felt the same way. But look, all she needed was someone to come give her a word. She needed someone to come and tell her, hey, I got you. Someone that cared. Someone that loved her. To say, hey, hold on. Help is here. Just, just, just don't worry. Breathe. She needed someone to, to talk to her. I want you to know that you were never, ever supposed to be in worry and in doubt while you wait. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, it's the Lord who goes before you. He'll be with you. He'll not fail you or abandon you. So do not fear or be dismayed. Don't be discouraged because he's with you. You understand what I mean? Don't fear. Why? Because he's with you. He hasn't failed you. The situations around you look like they're failing, but he hasn't failed you. He hasn't abandoned you. He hasn't left you. I was never alone in that van. Are you kidding me? That's why I'm here today. Hallelujah. I'm here today because he never left me. He never forsook me. And he'll not do that to you either. 2 Timothy 1 and 7, if you're jotting, go ahead and jot. God has not given you the spirit of fear, but he has given you the spirit of power and love and a sound mind. So, write this down too. You are not designed to be anxious while you wait. You are not designed to be anxious while you wait. So, by the time they get my cousins out, Van is still on the side. I hear them tell me, we're going to pull the van back up on the wheels. So there were some bystanders that were there. 
And look at how good God is. He sent an off-duty paramedic at the scene while I was in the car. So they're like, okay, ready? I hear them counting. One, two, three. And they lift this big van back on the wheels. They open up the sliding door. This was old school van. 1988, baby. <laughs> so they run into the car. The, the paramedic, he goes through the window to pick up my arm. Carefully. He lays it down on my lap. He grabs this hand because I, I think I was covering this, this face. And when I looked down, y'all, there was just skin hanging on my arm. But when I looked at this left arm, I realized this arm had nearly been disconnected, severed, right here. So it broke at like the weirdest place. There's skin hanging. My arm's falling off, y'all. The paramedic told me, look at me, he says. Look at me. He's asking me questions. What's your name? Blah, blah, blah. Well, what's your phone number? Blah, blah, blah. What's your aunt's name? Brr. He's just asking me a whole bunch of questions. I'm like, bro, you don't see my arm? What you worried about people? And phone numbers and addresses. Who cares? Look at this arm. I didn't say that. Because what he was doing was extremely important. What he was doing was so strategic. He was ensuring that my focus wasn't on the situation. He had to shift my focus onto something else. In the midst of chaos, I can't even explain to you the pain. The pain was so bad I could not cry. Not one tear would come out of my face. I wanted it to, because at least release something. It was so painful, it just felt like fire, because it was road burns. So here I am, in pain, he's telling me, you know, calm down, stay calm. What's your name? What's your fault? What's mom's name? He's getting my mind off of things. Jesus, in verse 9 through 15, he's telling this woman, yo, I got something for you. I have something for you that's going to blow your mind. But what was she doing? She was worried about everything else. She was worried about uh, a bucket, a rope. Jacob and his boys and these cattle. Who cares about this cattle? This man has something for you, but she couldn't see it. She was worried about who she was. I'm a Samaritan. Why are you even talking to me? Samaritans don't talk. To, or Jews don't talk to Samaritans. We're, they, they weren't looked at as uh, holy enough. So she's already not feeling good enough. And that's all she could see because she was disconnected. She's disconnected from love. Disconnected from family, disconnected from a community, clearly, because not even any of her homies could come to the well with her. I'm sure it wasn't super duper close, <laughs> right? Because if it was, everybody would go to the well. No, they had to go draw this water twice a day. But nobody could come with her. She had no one. She was disconnected. No relationship with anyone, especially the one who created her. But Jesus came. Jesus came to shift her focus on something eternal. Not this well. This well could possibly dry up one day. But not the well that he was talking about. He came to shift her focus to say, hey, you know what? I have something for you. Oh, it's going to keep you drenched. 
It's going to keep you full. It's going to keep you satisfied. This thing that I have for you. But you got to get unfocused on all this stuff. This stuff that means nothing. He was trying to give her a direct connection to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But if we're honest, we all get caught up with stuff that's going on. Caught up in a failure. Caught up in a decision that we made. Caught up in something that somebody did to us. Yeah? We can get caught up with it and we can miss the very moment that God has placed right before you. You can get so caught up. I mean, shucks, we all make mistakes. But we can't let that mistake rule us. We can't let that mistake dictate our next decision. You feel me? So this is so wonderful because in spite of it all, God's still saying, yo, <laughs> I got something for you in this room. God's still saying to you, in spite of all the stuff, in spite of all the disconnection, in spite of all of the hurt, all of the pain, I still have something for you. I didn't make that up. That's a promise. You can take that to the bank. It's not my promise. I might jack that up. I might let you down. I hope that I don't, but I'm human. But God, he's not going to let you down. In spite of it all, God says to you this morning, I've got something for you. Can you receive that? So I get out of the van. He's holding my arm. I'm inching my way out of the van. And they lay me down on the stretcher. I have to get airlifted, y'all. That's how traumatic this was. I get airlifted down the road so that they can reattach my arm. And I, I don't know, I think I do this every time I tell this story now, but shout out to all of the Abundant Life family who was there back in the day. I mean, some of y'all's faces I've seen for years. So I, I feel like most, most of the ones that I see, you probably remember this time. And I just have to say thank you to, from my mama. And, oh, if I look at you, I'm going to cry. What's wrong with me? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm over here. Oh. <laughs> but I think I just started thinking of it differently because I'm a mom now. And, like, when I started thinking about the story again, I started putting myself in mommy's shoes. I don't understand that kind of um, pain, that kind of struggle. Um, but again, shout out to the Abundant Life family because they came to the hospital room for my mom, for my sister, for my dad. They came and waited in that waiting room. Are y'all hearing me? This is the importance of being connected to a house. I don't care what nobody say. I don't care what nobody says. Being connected to the house is life. Y'all can fight me on that one. Being connected to a house, a, a true house that, that teaches the word of God, that, that grows you, y'all can come see me because that held my mom's arms up. That held my dad's arms up, even as a non-believer, that held my, you understand what I'm saying? Held them up during this prayer, during this traumatic time. Thank you, Abundant Life family. 
Thank you, Abundant Life family. Even the ones that aren't here, I'll say it out loud just in case you ever hear me say it. Thank you, Abundant Life family. It was necessary in that time. This was rough. The doctor, I had a four-hour surgery. The first surgery was four hours. So the doctor said that he was going to come out and give an update. So he gave a first update, and then it was like a while. Mommy said it took forever, like, for this next update to, to, to come about. So she's waiting and waiting. And of course, you know what happens. You start getting worried, like, what the heck is going on? But then he comes out, and he says, listen, I have tried with all my might. I cannot fix this bone. The bone, the way that it, that it broke, <clears throat> it broke really, mang it was mangled bad, like a, it was splintered, because mommy said when she saw it uh, broken on the, on the x-ray, it looked like a chicken bone. So there were pieces missing, and it was shaved down from the road a bit. So he's like, listen, I'm, I just came out here, listen, I just came out here to tell you to prepare yourself because she's going to not have an arm when we're done with the surgery and you're going to have to get her a prosthetic. That's rattling. But this Abundant Life family came together one more time. Oh, say one more time. In that waiting room, and something began to happen. Something shifted. Something took place. So mommy ended up getting a, right after that prayer, she had a vision. Now, she didn't even tell me this until like four years ago. <laughs> mommy got a vision. And in this vision, my hands are lifted, and I was in all white. Now, that might have scared somebody. Huh? That might have scared her. Like, what? <laughs> is her time on earth gone? Like, is it over? But she said in her spirit, she knew I wasn't in heaven just yet. Hmm. Did you hear me? That doctor, with all of his might, he tried to put it together, but he was undeniably limited. He was looking through the lens of his reality and his experiences and the information he already had. And I think, I think that's how this Samaritan woman also looked at herself. She had a lot going on. And Jesus mentioned, you got, you got five husbands, yeah. Uh -huh. But it wasn't, to, you know, God, he's so loving. I don't think it was like getting at her, like, you so raggedy, you so this, you so that, dotty gal, no. She didn't. She didn't, she didn't, she, it wasn't that for her. No, he loves her. I think it was that she just needed to recognize that she couldn't do the fixing herself. So what, her, her way of reverting back is like, yeah, yeah, uh, you, you must be a prophet. Right, right, let's stop talking about the five. I can't do the five right now. Let's just talk about this. This mountain, let's talk about the mountain. And we, we're praying on this mountain. Do we need to pray on this mountain? He's like, listen, <laughs> girl, there's a time coming. As a matter of fact, it's here right now where it doesn't even matter where you are because of this connection that you're going to have with the king. So he had to show her, I don't care about your limitations. The doctor, he had limitations. But Jesus saw possibilities. 
he saw something that, that was bound, but now it was about to break free. This religious mindset, oh, it's about to break free. Something's going to happen. So don't let your knowledge, hear me, or your personal experiences or your old stuff dictate your future, limit your future. You were never designed to be limited. Did you catch that? You are not designed to be limited. So he finished talking to my parents. He goes back to the OR, and I told you something was happening. He thought he was going back for a complete amputation. But something was happening in this room. Amen? He goes, he looks. Mommy says that she gets this vision, knows, okay, nope, she's not in heaven. I was just down for the moment. Down, but not out. Are y'all feeling me? Down, but not out. And her faith began to rise. See, mm, there was a little faith left in this woman at the well. Verse 25, she goes, listen, the Messiah is going to come. What's that? She's looking for something. She's expecting something. She's anticipating something. What does that mean? Oh, her faith, mm, as little as it might be, it was moving. Because she said, when the Messiah gets here, he'll explain all this stuff to us. He'll give us the answers. Man, somehow, some way, he'll work this all out. Some way, he'll save me. Some way, he'll put my heart back together. I don't know how. I don't know when. But, but I think he's coming. And Jesus is like, yo, oh, I'm right here. I'm right here. Down, but not out. She held on to one truth. I believe that y'all are here today because you've got faith stirring on the inside. It might be a big portion for some of us, but it might be a small portion for others. And that part doesn't even matter. What matters is that you're here. What matters is that you listened to a voice that was calling you here. What mattered is that you recognized, I need some connection. What mattered is you've got a little stirring happening in here and you're anticipating something to change, something to shift, something to move. Are you with me? So you're not designed to stay down. All right, so the doctor opens the OR room. He goes inside and he looks down. This is my favorite. He says out loud, who touched her? I think I wore sneakers on purpose so I could move. <laughs> he said, who touched her? Mind you now, before he left the OR, he said to everybody in there, leave it alone. Don't do nothing. I need a moment because I got to go talk to these parents. This is what he told his team. But when he walked back in there, he said, who touched her? Nobody touched her. No, 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 no. He goes, but all I have to do while he was touching my bone, he grabs it and he turned and it went together like a puzzle piece. All he had to do was turn. All he had to do was shift the position, change the position, move a little bit. Don't stay where you are. 
Stay where you are. You keep what you got. Shift. Turn. Move. This happened April 5th, 1991. This doctor could do nothing. And there was a raggedy devil that was trying to write my story. But the editor stepped into the room and he rewrote the whole entire thing. Come on, hallelujah. (sighs) He rewrote the entire thing. Verse 26, right? Down and out, this woman. (laughs) Seemingly it's over, like, forget about it. But he came to do what no one else could do. He came to shift things. He came to fix things. I believe he was waiting for her to turn. It was that moment where she goes, the Messiah's on his way. He'll, he'll, he'll tell us what all this stuff is about. I think that's, that was the shift. He, it was that faith move that she said, I believe some, someone's coming. I believe there is a savior. I believe he is on the way. Because did you notice that that was the moment that he said it? I am the Messiah. That was the moment that he shifted it and said, I am the Messiah. He came to that well to rewrite her story. He's in this room today to rewrite your story. Are you there? He came today to rewrite your story. So, are you ready to turn? It's a lot going on, but are you ready to turn? Are you ready to get into position? So much going on. Life stuff, kid stuff, work stuff, school stuff, so much going on. Decisions, mistakes, shame, guilt. But are you ready to turn? Because it's time to turn. I got to, I got to show you something. Remember I told you I was in all white, right? Hands lifted. Let me show you what that vision was that mommy saw. So for those of y'all that don't know, that's 2018. That was the release of Conqueror's album. That thing happened 20, what, eight years before? Mommy gets that vision at a, I'm 11 years old on an operating table. You want to tell me that God doesn't have a plan for us? You want to tell me that God doesn't have a plan for us? You want to tell me God doesn't have a plan for you? You want to tell me God doesn't love you? You want to tell me he doesn't have something grand for you? Something great for you? You've gone through crazy stuff. You've gone through insane pain you want to tell me he doesn't have a plan to turn something around the devil tried to steal my song the devil tried to steal my victory but God stepped in the room and he said absolutely not 
This girl is more than a conqueror. This girl's gonna share her story. At 11 years old, I was stuck. You might be stuck. At 11 years old, I was waiting. You might be waiting. Disconnected, you might be disconnected. Limitations, you might be down. But Jesus is here. He's here. Jesus is here. I'm going to just say it again. Jesus is here. And he has a plan because there's something great for you to do on this earth now. That woman had to be met by Jesus at that well. Because in that one meeting, she was so changed, she had to run back and tell her whole village, her whole community, I think I met the Messiah. I think I met the Savior. And because of her story, y'all, that whole town was changed. Because she told her story, that whole town was changed. And can I tell you something else? He was counting on that. I told you my story, that whole thing, because he was counting on it. He's touching you today. He's changing your story today so that you can tell your story. You know why? He's counting on it. There's people that you're connected to that have to hear your story. They have to hear your story. When they do, they're gonna be changed. Your family is changed. Your husband is changed. Your kids are changed. Your boyfriend is changed. Your friends, your community, your job, your coworkers, changed. So if you're stuck, he came to release you in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. If you're waiting, he came to speak to you. So listen. If you're disconnected, he came to reconnect you to a family. Look, at, look around you. He came to connect you to a family. He came to connect you to this house. If you don't have a church home and you need one, bro, here it is. You just found your connection. Be here. If you're limited, he came to be more than enough. If you're down, he came to make you more than a conqueror. He's here to turn your story around. Yes? Just one catch though, when he turns the story around, you gotta tell your story. There's power in your testimony, and let me tell you what testimony means. In Hebrew, it's iduth, which means do it again with the same power and authority. So every time you tell your story, Every time you read it, every time you speak it, you're saying, Lord, do it again. Do it again with that same power, with that same authority. Do it again. This is why you have to tell it. 
This is why you must tell it. You're not just reciting something. You're releasing power. You're releasing authority. Do it again, Lord. Revelation 19 says, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When you're telling your testimony, you're prophesying the miracle. You're prophesying the change. You're prophesying the shift. You're prophesying a move. So what are you going to do with your story? You got to tell it because he's counting on it. Amen. Wow, hearing this again just reignited something in me, and I hope it's done the same for you. If you want to get even more connected with us, you can visit us at our website, AbundantLife.tv, or follow us on Instagram at AbundantLife underscore TV, and at Come to Life on Facebook. And remember these two things. One, that God is a good God. He loves you and He wants to bless you. And two, your story matters.